0: Hello everyone and welcome to this, the 10th-ish edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association, recorded sometime in the future. <laughs> it's not like this touch about all things woodwork. Okay, we got ourselves back together. Uh, I'm Tom Iove, you know, of tomsworkbench.com, and I'll be your host for the wackiness this evening. Joining me today from, from somewhere in the deep south, our good friend Chris Atkins. Chris, how you doing today?
1: Good, Tom. How are you?
0: I, I'm, I'm thinking of somewhere in the future right now, just so you know. But I'm doing pretty We're well. We're in the
1: future. The
0: future of laughter, I believe.
1: The future of something.
0: Yes, the future is something. So are you ready to go back in time and, and to speak to our audience?
1: I'm ready to go back in time, speak to the audience. Can we do audience participation in the past?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure we'd violate some sort of time travel thing, said uh, some sort of rule set forth by Einstein, but I think that's possible. Let's, let's see if we can't work at it. Uh, also from uh, from New York, uh, it's Diami Palatki of the penultimate Diami, we're here in the future. Tell me, tell me, Diami, what's it like? In the future with us,
2: it is all that I dreamed it would be and more.
0: I'm just waiting for the Jetsons to show up. Actually, tell you the truth, we got to wrap this up because I'm gonna go play on my hoverboard when we're done. Okay, sounds good. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> last but not least, from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, it's Nick. Don't call him Rick Rouleau. Nick, how are things in the future with you? I'll
3: tell you when I get there.
0: Good. I'm liking that. The reason why we're being a little sillier tonight is we're trying something new. We're actually pre-recording this, and we may actually release this after we record the next one. So as far as we're concerned, we're violating all sorts of time-space continuum rules. But hey, that's okay, because we're here to talk this month about how we got started in woodworking. I know you're all waiting with anxious, bated breath. We're going to hop in the time machine and actually go back in time to see how we all got started. Let's just talk about, first of all, <laughs> what caught, as we came into the future and we went back to the past, I think that's how it worked. What, what, what blog post piqued our interest? Diami, please let us know. Do you have anything? What blog
2: post piqued my interest? So are we talking about how we get started in woodworking and furniture making, or how we got started
3: on these damn interwebs?
0: How do we get started? Well, forget about the winter web business. Nick, right. Nick, you mentioned something about George Walker's blog.
3: Yeah, something I noticed uh, from George Walker's blog, Design Matters, this week was that he he finally finished his book with, with Jim Tolpin by Hand in, and I, and it's off to Chris over at Lost Art Press. So I'm looking forward to seeing that book come out. For, for all the things that I, I need to get better at, design is. Uh, near the top of the list so i'm i can't wait for that one to get through the the uh the editing process and and uh, become available
0: there's a lot to be said about design i mean you can build a table but there's a lot of different ways to do it you
3: know what i'm saying right indeed there is
0: yeah more than one way to skin the proverbial cat are we still allowed to do that in the future
2: as long as we throw them in a burlap sack and toss it in the river when we're done you can do whatever you want to a cat
0: i'm digging that okay everybody else as we go on with the fine with the fine folks at the Modern Woodworkers Association, I can speak tonight, it's okay. What's going on with this Fine Woodworking Live meetup? Somebody let me know. Well, we have uh, have been coordinating with Bacchus
2: Restaurant Bar and uh, Pool Table hall place in fine downtown New Pauls, New York, and we're going to have an MWA meetup uh, on Thursday night after registration. For anybody who was lucky enough to attend WIA last year, uh, Nick Brown was nice enough to to set up a meetup on Thursday when we all arrived. I think it was Thursday, but on the night we all arrived. And it was a nice party. I think everyone will attest that it was just a nice, quiet, relaxing night of talking woodworking with online friends. It was loud and obnoxious. Well, Matt, glad we were there. But anyway, we're looking to redo the same thing in scenic upstate New York. So for anyone who's going to be attending Fine Woodworking Live, please come down to Bacchus on Thursday night after registration and join us. And if you go to the modernwoodworkersassociation.com website right now, the current post is about that meetup, and there's a little poll to check off whether you're going to attend, you might attend, you're not attending. And we'd ask that anyone who can, please fill that out, because Bacchus has asked that we try to provide them with at least a a round number in terms of how many people are going to come. So we invite everyone to join us, and please check in that you are going to join us so we can make sure they have adequate facilities to handle the thousands of woodworkers who are going to throw themselves at new poles. Throngs.
1: And, and keep drops. in mind, guys, that, that, that it's going to have to be a late night because I'm not flying into New York until 10 o'clock. So it's going to be 12:30 before I get there. So, Man, yeah, don't so wrap you're up have early. To have a late night.
0: Don't okay. wrap it up early, guys. You Whatever have you to, need wait to stay it. out all night, <laughs> so you feel really good the next day when they start the classes and seminars. That's right, definitely. The now, only
2: way to go to a woodworking conference is if you've closed the bar the night before,
0: or consecutive nights. And speaking about closing bars, last year we did a lot of that at the Woodworking <laughs> Woodworking America conference. And uh, and and Chris, it looks like we've got, even though we're sweating in summer now, autumn is right around the corner, and it looks like we're going to have uh, two of them this year. So what what what's the Modern Work Association doing over at these two events?
1: Uh, that's right. We uh, we actually have got uh, actually our group is kind of split in half with with us. Uh, uh, myself and Nick are going to be in Pasadena. Uh, we're going to have a booth set up there, and so we can come visit, and we'll set up some some um, similar things to uh, some hangouts and stuff before and after and during, um, and and then. Tom, uh, you and uh, D'Ami are going to be up in the uh, Cincy one, so we'll all be together there.
0: Yeah, Porkopolyps, that's where we're going to be, Cincinnati. <laughs> that's one of the nicknames of the cities I discovered over the weekend, so, uh, so definitely uh, definitely some place to be. So, uh, you know, it's an older one, but it's a goodie. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. Also, I understand there's also going to be an impromptu meetup of the mid-Atlantic chapter uh, of the Modern Rookers Association this Saturday at the Stepping Stone Museum. Uh, Shannon Rogers, of the uh, Renaissance Woodworker, is the guy setting this one up. Anybody anybody have any of the specifics, or should we just send them over to uh, Shannon's site?
3: I think anybody who wants more information on that should get in touch with Shannon directly, because I only heard about it through a proposed impromptu meeting on Twitter. Uh, if that if that takes place, I think he's going to be the one to to run it.
0: Okay, so it's going to be the modern woodworkers at this museum that kind of talks about more antique style of woodworking. So it'll be it'll be a perfect blend. It's like us tonight.
1: Great right, Scott! Like us always, Tom. You're going to be the
0: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> what can I tell you? You know, you look good for your age. What can I tell you? <laughs> okay, now, of course. Everybody's been waiting with bated breath as we chuckle our way through the introductions, but here we are now, at the moment of truth, where we're going to start talking about how we get started in woodworking. I'm sure it's the most fascinating topic out there for you paying attention to this, but you know, by golly, you know, we all have to start someplace. I mean, even even people who've been doing this for years had to start somewhere. So I guess what we're going to do is going to go around a little bit and talk about how we all got started in this craft. And um, you know, it could be your first memory, it could be the first project you built in your shop. However, whatever you figure is the moment you actually started doing this kind of stuff. So, Chris, in Atlanta, let us know what what have you got to get how did you get started?
1: Well, we 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 kind of touched on this topic one time a little bit once before and and so I I won't go into my cat house story again when I was about 5, but um, you know, I I grew up my uh, you know, my father was a he was a building contractor and woodworker and and so was was my grandfather. So, um, so basically I just I grew up around this all my life, so I can remember as a kid and stuff going to my grandpa's and uh he would build boats and stuff that that people you know used across the rivers and stuff that lived across. So I mean, I, I kind of grew up in it all my life, and as I got older, we um, worked with my dad in the shop a lot, and we built a lot of cabinets and furniture for the houses and stuff that uh, that we had built for people. So it was always kind of a neat little, little signature. Was you know we my dad would build a house, and um, you know I'd, I'd usually work with him, and and um, pretty much all the houses he built, something that that went into the house that stayed with.
0: All right, well now what, what is, now you had mentioned this cat is your first project now do you still have the cat house anywhere
1: no I have no idea where actually I do have a picture of uh, that my my dad took um, the morning after I built the, the cat house, um, my dad said the cat will never go inside of this thing, and so he took a picture the next morning with the cat with its head stuck out of of the the little house on it. So I actually do have that picture still.
0: So that we had a we had a very happy client
1: right there, right? There was a happy client. You know, the cat yeah, was, that's always was good
0: What what do you think was the thing that attracted the cat the most? Was it the uh, spacious uh, living area? Was it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say. Let's just say there was not a lot of living area. <laughs> it
0: okay, was, so it was a little tighter than expected. It was a little tight. <laughs> okay, or at least it wasn't too big of a cat, right?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Oh, okay, good. The cat was able to get out. Just, to, just so we can
1: reassure everybody, right? <laughs> the, the, the cat, the cat made it out. As far as I know. Yeah. A,
3: after, after Chris and his house and DiAmi and his sacks, I think we ought to, <laughs> we had oh put a, put a little disclaimer here that no, no cats were harmed no in the making of this video. <laughs>
0: That's right. Let's make sure we make that clear as we go ahead. We don't want to cause trouble with anybody. (laughs) Now, Deami, you know, obviously, you've got to have a more exciting story. Well, I don't know. Can anybody can I play, can anybody top a cat house? I don't know. I mean, is it, is it worth trying at this point?
2: Well, I got into woodworking in a very similar way. My dad's been a contractor. You built a cat house, too? I, well, yes, I built three, two, three cat houses, actually, because one's never enough, because, you know, cats, they, they're fickle. Um, right. But, no, I got into it the same way. Um, when My dad's been a contractor. He's always been building things in the house, but what really... What I learned the craft at was when I was, um, I don't know, 7th, 8th grade, my dad bought a house from the 19-teens. And as soon as he bought the house, he gutted it and ripped down every wall and the attic floor. So you could walk in the front door and look up three stories and see the attic ceiling. And then we slowly put the whole house back together. Um, and we put down new floors. We, we built stair railings. We did everything. So it was a good education in, um, in, in carpentry. And varying a little bit into furniture, but mostly in carpentry. And then, like I'm sure most of us, when I got my own house, I started putting putting along with the same thing. And that kind of grew into woodworking more than carpentry. And specifically, when I had kids and I didn't have a shop for a couple years when I first had my twins, I just read everything and really shifted my focus into woodworking so that when I got a shop back up and running... I was more into furniture than, say, home improvement. Uh, But then to get to my first piece, I actually have a a blog post I wrote about it. It's a fairly crappy bookshelf um, in that it's made of CDX, and we spackled the sides to smooth it out a little bit before we painted it. Um, But I made it... Spackle rules. Spackle is awesome. Uh, I made it with um, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and we made it for her room, and at this point now, it is residing in New Jersey, of all places, in my sister-in-law's apartment. So it's still getting use. And as I fickle with the buttons, um, there it is for the for Vic, who's probably watching. <laughs> that screen share didn't go, did it? Bill Becker
0: is too uh, to say now.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, so that was my first piece. I, I skipped over the cat house in reality, and uh, I just went for a, a normal bookcase.
0: Wow. Well, you know what? Uh, that's pretty amazing when you look at it. You actually still—it's still in existence, which is. Which is really good. It's a lot better for, for some of the other first projects I've seen and heard about. So
2: Yeah, and for what it's worth, that picture, the bookcase was about 10 years old in that picture. That's when I was moving it into my sister-in-law's apartment. Um, so it was already on its second owner and had gone through quite a life. But when you build a bookcase out of three-quarter inch CDX plywood and about 5,000 brad nails... It doesn't go anywhere.
0: It actually has enough mass, so it starts to attract matter to it to get that gravity. <laughs> exactly down. it. So uh, and it holds oh. books well too. So you got to love that. Now, now, Nick, uh, you know somebody who makes such exquisite furniture like you. I'm sure your first project was probably in the neighborhood of a cat house, too, was it?
3: I honestly don't remember what my first first project was, although I do remember a shop class in junior high school where I scroll saw at a chicken or a rooster or something. And I saw my my ninety four year old grandfather the other day and he says he still has that hanging up in his house um, so that, that's something I guess but my you know i I didn't have a family connection to woodworking or even a handy father for that matter um, I kind of stumbled across it when um, I was first dating my wife and and her father in law came or my father in law her father came to the house um she just bought this this house that we live in now and it was all starting out DIY stuff, um, introduced me to what a router can do, and that was kind of my first intro into woodworking tools. Um, so either my first real woodworking project was was a router table to hold the router and do other woodworking projects. Um, I think that was more a conduit to getting something where I could build my daughter's crib, um, she's going on seven, so that must have been eight or nine years ago when I, mm. I started getting that hit, that in my head. Uh, so my daughter's crib is my first real project um, with a few things to mi- you know make that happen along the way.
0: Is it, is it still in her room? Is it still with her? Or?
3: Uh, it belongs to my second daughter now, who's okay. about okay. to tr- transition out to her first real bed, which is on my project list halfway done. Okay, well, all right, then... That- Uh,
2: I was just saying, well done. I've never been able to finish a project like that in time for the
3: kids to be the right age to use it. Timing is always a tough thing. Yeah, Yeah. fortunately, I started started the toddler bed when she was one and a half, when my niece was, (laughs) was two and a half. So it's been sitting in the shop for six months, halfway done, just waiting for those last few bits to be done and for her to be ready. So hopefully I'm still ahead of the game here.
0: I mean it, you know I, you know it sounds like, it sounds like you 're moving along in time here, so it sounds like you're, you're doing a very good job um, for me, you know I had a handy dad who you know ripped things apart and remodeled things, and that, that was always good. I always watched him work and uh, but for me, my first experience was in shop class, and it was it was kind of funny I, uh, were, the students were kind of given an evaluation to begin with, you know sort of like could you work a bandsaw, could you do something along those lines? And they assigned projects based on how well you could do in these tests. Now, some of these kids were actually turning salt and pepper shakers on a lathe. Me, I was required to build a a coat hanger. <laughs> I was told I could... Now, a coat... Now, understand what this was. It was a board, okay? A poplar board, maybe, I don't know, 16 inches long and and about four or five inches wide. And all I needed was three holes drilled in it. And there were three quarter-inch holes, and I was given three seven-eighths-inch dowel pieces and a stack of sand. <laughs> paper, it was, I was told to sand these dowels, down. I must have impressed the shop teacher, I was told to sand these dowels down until they fit into the hole for the <laughs> entire semester at shop class, Jeez. so these other kids are like turning things, you know, cutting things out of the scroll saw, I'm, I'm out there sanding dowels by hand, so it got to the moment of truth, it was almost December, so you know, we at the end of the semester, we're, after that, the next semester we're going to the home ec, where I learned how to bake, and it was an important thing. So I, I, I got to the moment of the truth, and I and Mr. Kirkengaard, the, the shop teacher, said, "Okay, Tom, give me the dowels," and he started to try to drive them into the holes. Now the first two, he had to kind of muscle in with his mallet. When he got to the third one, the board split down the middle. Okay. <laughs> so so the first two dowels fell over and rolled off the bench onto the floor. And I could just hear him mutter under his breath, some words I can't really repeat on his podcast. And he walked out of the shop class. I got a C in that class. I, I I'm surprised I got that good of a grade, but but he was the guy who broke it. So that's all I know. That, it, <laughs> I was in the clear. Now, the first project I built you know, when I was got into woodworking for real was uh, I, I wanted to build a, uh, a blanket chest for my wife. It was our anniversary, and I wanted to build her something. So there was a construction place, Builder Square down here, that was going out of business. And I bought a doweling jig, which was good, because I knew I wanted to hide the joinery. Uh, but everything else was crap. <laughs> I bought some 1x4 pine pieces and a sheet of quarter-inch BC plywood and I built this thing, and it wasn't square, and it, it was just, it was just, it was so gnarly, and Rhonda loved it, and she kept saying, you know, maybe, maybe you get better, you know, as she you project. <laughs> <laughs> so I always laugh when I see people who build these friggin' masterpieces as their first project. It's like, where, where are you coming from? So uh, this this chest actually no longer is in our family. It went to a neighbor uh, who needed a toy box for her son. So right now, he's the one beating that up. So it still exists, but boy, what a crazy project to get into. <laughs> and, you know, I guess it's a question that I really we need to le- lead into is when did you become serious about woodworking? I mean, obviously, you know, we've got some funny stories about getting started and building, you know, the bookshelf on a CDX and all that stuff. But when did you start to get serious? When was it you noticed you started to get serious about it? Started looking at the quality of the wood you got, uh, started to try to hide your joinery? Or do the joinery better than just nailing it or screwing it together? What what project would you say, Nick, was, was the one that kind of took you there?
3: I'm not sure there was one project. I think it's really been a continuous improvement sort of sort of paradigm for me. I, I think you know doing my my daughter's crib to start out with. Being somewhat of a perfectionist by nature, I didn't let that out of the shop until like the week before she came. And I started it months, months before. So um, every project has been learning a little something new, getting a little bit better, um, a little bit more serious about it, reading more about it, and and uh, you know taking class. I, th- I guess I started taking classes and being more serious about learning beyond just internet and magazines, maybe three, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't, I can't really pinpoint a single project where I said, hey, you know what, I, I think I'm gonna do this for a living, or try to do this for a living. Um, it's just been a, a gradual, slow change into growth in the interest, I suppose.
0: Okay. What about you, Dami? What, what What was the project? Was there a project you could point to that said, okay, at this point I'm getting a lot more serious about this. I'm getting in deeper than just the surf- superficial stuff.
2: I could pinpoint a time, and I, I kind of touched on this before. It was It was when I had my twins, and I lost my shop for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. and In that time, I just dived into books and online and, and just really bucked up on my knowledge of woodworking without being able to get my hands on it. I was kind of living vicariously through everybody online in, in the magazines. So when I finally got back into a shop, I knew I wanted to be a lot more serious about it, but I don't know that I can pinpoint a project. I'm thinking of the, the book rack I made last year. might be the first time I made a piece of furniture solely because it would be nice to make a piece of furniture, and it wasn't a project we needed for the house. Or you know, most of my projects, even now, are are out of necessity rather than out of oh, that'd be a nice thing to make. Um, so that that might have, as recent as it is, that might be the first thing I built just because it was interesting and nice to build.
0: Okay, well, I mean that's a that's a big moment, you know, when you actually get to the point where you're just building the furniture not because it's you know, gosh, I need some place to hold my books. It's you get you get uh, you get more involved in just the aesthetics of it.
2: Right. Right, no, and it was, it was nice because it was, the piece was driven, well, it was driven by the piece, and I guess I had to build it because I put it in the SOTUS Chronicles build challenge that year, mm-hmm. um, but I certainly didn't have to do that. It was something I wanted to do, and then I just built it for the, for the contest rather than to meet a requirement of the family or the house.
0: That's a, that's a big development. What about, Chris, what, what about you? Is there a moment, a project uh, where you notice you're getting a lot more serious?
1: I wouldn't say there was a there was a moment or not a project, but there was. I guess it would be more of a moment for me because you know when I was younger, I, I probably actually built more professionally than than I did as I got older. You know, because we we built um, quite a few years before I went in the military and stuff. I, I worked just building cabinets and, and furniture, but it was just kind of I grew up doing it, and so I don't think I took it that seriously at the time. Um, you know, my dad was a woodworker. His dad was a woodworker. So I just, I really didn't take it that seriously, you know. And and then it was once I got out of the military, and then um, and then came back out. Um, it, it was probably you know when when I moved back to a, when I moved to Atlanta, my wife and I moved moved down to Atlanta, and um, I, I started just you know wishing that I had, you know, a shop again, um, you know, and, and wanting to, to do some more woodworking. So I kind of started putting a, a shop together in the garage and stuff. And that's actually when I really got serious about doing a lot of woodworking. And, um, and then I kind of started doing some reflection on, um, you know, my, my grandpa, he was a, a big hand tool user, whereas my dad, you know, we had this big 100-by Forty-foot cabinet shop that was pretty much all power tools and stuff. So, mm. so I started kind of reflecting on the two of those and um, just kind of started mixing up and trying to experiment with what I do. I, I really got much more serious when I when I did it just for myself. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, for me it was a uh, there was a project. It was it all started in a in a bare wood uh, furniture store, you know, one of those places they 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 just build the stuff out of pine. And uh, I was I was looking for a desk for my son. He was going to kindergarten. This is back in '04, and um, what happened was the uh, there was a I was talking to my wife about the quality of the woodwork in there, and you know the questions, you know, the questionable methods everything was put together by, and uh, this one guy came around the corner and said, "Are you a woodworker?" And I said, "Sure." And he and he showed me this piece. He was thinking about buying, but he needed a custom built and he wanted out of oak, and he wanted glass doors and things like that, and he said, I'll pay you to build this piece, and, uh, you know, obviously, when you're, now you're starting to build with somebody else's money, that becomes a moment where you take things very seriously, and I read up a lot more, like you guys did, I read up a lot more, uh, I found a lot more information out, I asked a lot more questions, and I was able to build a pretty decent looking piece, and, uh, you know, for me, that, that, that first commission was really where it was like, okay, I've got to get serious about this, and, um, from there, you know, I don't think I'm the most serious woodworker out there. I, I don't know, I'm not, but uh, but you know, I try to put a lot more uh, aesthetic into it. I try to make it look a lot better when I'm building something, you know, especially something that's going to be on display in my house or somebody's paying for. So that's always a big deal. Now, over these years we've been woodworking, I don't know, collectively it must have been forty forty five years for the four of us. Uh, what would you have done? What would you have done differently? Uh, is there anything you would have started off with differently? Uh, would you have taken a different path if you had known there was something like turning involved or, or something along those lines? Uh, Diami, what, what about you? Um, I'm,
2: I'm you really interested. You wish never
3: bought that first router. There you go.
0: <laughs> that first router
2: was actually a college graduation gift. Um, no, uh, really what I come down to is I wish I'd built a better bench. And what I mean by that is the, the initial shop I set up in my first house, it was a reasonable shop for home improvement But on reflection, it was wholly inadequate to do real woodworking. It it wasn't set up for hand tool use. It didn't have proper clamping surfaces. I don't mean to suggest my shop is in anywhere set up now, but at least I know what I'm looking for now. And it was, if I'd wanted to do real woodworking, I couldn't have. But I guess I needed to know what real woodworking was, or at least my own definition of it to step back and realize that that's not how the shop was set up. So mm-hmm. in hindsight, I probably would have shut the shop up a lot differently, and I realize now the shop was not set up to take me down the path of real woodworking. But I don't know that I can say that I should have done it differently at the time. At the time, I didn't have a thought of woodworking, and I had a house to improve, and that's what the shop was set up to do, and it did that. So. Okay. Um, I think I, I don't know. I, I I'm not disappointed by my by my choices. I'll say I have I don't have regret about the way it's developed.
0: All right. Well, I mean it's all fair. I mean you know trying to get into woodworking. You know it's you can't just walk into a shop one day and have everything all laid out for you unless you hit the lottery. No, so and anybody, even then it is it is an evolution. I mean
2: when you talk to people about shop layout and even workbench design. It's about what do you do, what do you like to do, how do you do woodworking. So I, it's easy for me to look back and say, well, I should have had a nice bench then, but then I didn't know what I, what I wanted to do on the bench. So mm-hmm. I might have had the wrong bench then or, or whatever it is. You need to get some of it under your belt so you know what you like to do, what you don't want to do, what your methods of work are, and then you tailor your space to fit around your workflow and your work habits. Until you develop
0: that workflow and work habit. You don't know how to set the space up. Exactly. You know, completely different needs for different kinds of woodworking. So, uh, you know, maybe a bandsaw and a lathe would be something for one person, but then a whole full-on cabinet saw and at least a route would be something else. So, again, you know, really everything kind of evolves over time. Excellent point. Uh, uh, Nick, what, what about you? Any regrets from when you started?
3: I regret I started in a basement that barely allowed me to stand at my full whopping five foot six height without banging my head on the joists. Uh, it was it was it was it was less than ideal of a workspace um but it, you know it was something and i i don't i don't regret starting as a woodworker you know like diami said you, you don't know what you're going to need till you get there i didn't know i was going to become a woodworker this was just something i thought hey I, it would be nice for me to to try out and and do and turns out that it became a little bit more than that so uh, it, you know you don't really know what you're going to get into um i wish i kind of I had discovered the online woodworking community a long time sooner, or a, lot, a lot sooner than I did, mm-hmm. um, because I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of good content being generated. A lot of uh, things I could have learned faster or sooner than than I did. You know, f- Tom, you've been do you've been doing this for what five years now? And I the just
0: online stuff, yeah, the online stuff for five years, yeah. Yeah, I,
3: I didn't I didn't come across your your posts until maybe a year and a half or two years ago. So I missed three years of your stuff, so you're going to have to do it all over again.
0: Okay, I'll start over. It'll help me out with my posts. Absolutely. (laughs) Recycle. All right, Chris. Yeah, you know, there's nothing. Hey, that's the ecological way to do things, right? right? Chris, Chris, what about you and regrets? Any any regrets from where you started? Um,
1: I I don't know if I would say regrets. I mean, I I would really probably just touch on the same thing that that these guys have kind of iterated is that you know when, when when I started and just I, I can't tell you a time that I actually started on it, but just you you know through my progression through the years and stuff like that. Um, I, I guess that that my only thing was growing, because I grew up doing woodworking all my life, you know, by the time I was, you know, an adult, I kind of felt like I knew everything. Oh, know it <laughs> all. Great. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I did, in truth. I mean, I felt like that, you know, oh, I, I know how to do all this stuff. But, but what I realized, and when I really started enjoying it the most, was when I realized that I didn't, No, near as much as I I thought I did and you know and I was too single-minded in uh, the techniques and stuff that that I was using and so when I really started getting online and and and, you know reading more and looking at you know how other people do things and stuff that's when I think I really kind of improved my my woodworking techniques instead of just having one way of of building something um, and and just certain types of joinery. as, as now as much as anything, I enjoy just you know looking at different types of techniques and joinery methods and things like that, and, uh, and I think that's how we improve the most of all.
0: But honest, to, I mean, you have i mean, you know—you do have to give me credit though, because you did come from that background, your dad and your grandfather um, doing the uh, doing the onlet, doing the uh, professional, uh, you know, full time cabinetry, you have to meet those production deadlines. So, you know, I mean, that, that is one way to approach it, and that's definitely the business model to approach it. So, right. being a hobby woodworker, I'm sure that's changed your uh, outlook.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have to worry about, you know, the only, the only person I've got to worry about is if I'm making something for one of the kids or the, the wife, and, and they start screaming at me because I'm not not getting it done in time, or, or or if I'm making the Christmas presents, if I'm wrapping the Christmas presents up on Christmas Eve, <laughs> and the
0: finish is still wet. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. Well,
0: I've done the paper it. I've done sticks
3: it. to the
1: finished.
0: <laughs> I get that Christmas print in the finish; it's perfect. <laughs> you know, I, I you know, it's funny. You know, to so look back at uh, I've been doing woodworking now. You know, the hobby woodworking thing since '98, and I tell you, one of the things that's, I had a point somewhere early on where I could have got my hands on a bandsaw and a lathe, and I could have just gone turning. And, you know, I wonder what things would have been different had I just gone for the turning route instead of going for the table saw and a lot of flat work. I mean, I built a lot of flat work, you know, in furniture and cabinets and things like that. But, you know, there's something about that instant gratification of having that lathe going. Because, you know, look at these people who turn, and it's like, they spin the thing, they finish it, and they pop it off the lathe and it's ready to go. And it's like, you know, it's like it, it's the it's the ultimate ADD woodworking. It's like I just want to turn it and be done with it.
3: I think if I had if I had discovered how much I enjoy standing at the lathe and turning something and getting a getting a product in a matter of an hour or two, mm-hmm. I might never have gone into furniture making. I'm I'm glad I got into furniture making long before I ever got my lathe. (laughs) And even Uh, even now, even now, I get very distracted from whatever furniture project I am. If there's a cool piece of wood sitting over by the lathe it kind of draws me over there to waste time.
0: You know, the thing is, I still don't have a lathe in my shop, so it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I have this feeling that if the lathe comes into the shop, all the other tools are going to start collecting dust. So it's it's the big fear I've got. So, you know, it's always trying to strike that balance. I think maybe once I get to the point where I retire in God knows how many years. We're still there, everybody. Okay, I froze up there for yeah, a second here, on my Tom. screen. But, okay, good. I haven't made my robot voice yet, so that's still good as well. We're trying a new <laughs> microphone for me tonight. Hopefully, with any luck, it'll work. Guys, I, to round this topic out i've got to ask and it's probably the uh, probably one of those questions that you're going to have to stop and think for a little bit what project are you most proud of since you started is there a project that just stands out like wow i, I can't believe i did that what, what 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 would you say would be something uh, nick let's start with you
3: yeah for for me it's easy and it's not because it's a, a wow i i did that kind of project it's um i built a a, a wine cabinet a little you know i don't know 24 48 no, not forty-eight. Maybe twenty-four, thirty bottle wine cabinet as a gift from my mother a couple of years ago, um, and it's one that's up on my website. It's cherry with maple inlay and a turned maple knob. And it's not that it's a fit. I mean, it was a good project. It came out nice. But what what I'm real proud about that piece is is that it finally made my mother, who you know, kind of always viewed me as, you know, yeah, he's handy. You know, he'll he'll build this. She actually based on, on, on getting that as a gift and seeing the, the, the product, said, oh, you know, wow, you know, he's, he's a serious woodworker and he can, he can actually do this. So, you know, that's one of those, those things that you, you can never, either your mother thinks that you're always the greatest at everything or you're always seeking to please your mother. For me, it's the latter, and, and, and it was one of those things where I could tell she finally thought that I could really do it, and that's, that's, that was gratifying for me.
0: Nice. Okay, uh, uh, Chris, the project you're most proud of?
1: Um, I mean, that's a tough one. Um, I, I guess I guess mine kind of almost goes to more of a sentimental type thing too because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of projects that I've, I've built that that, you know, I was pretty proud of the techniques and stuff on, but uh, I don't know. I think the the one that that I enjoy the most that that I built was when um, I built just a couple of years ago. Um, I built uh, Isabella, who's um, our oldest. She's four and a half. I built her a loft bed, and uh, it it wasn't that. Complicated. I mean, it's huge, you know, just big, heavy. You know, it's more timber type. Um, but I did mortise and on everything. But um, I love that bed because you know she, it's it's big and and steady and heavy. And so, you know, I get up there about every night and and read her a couple of books. And you know, she thinks it's the coolest thing in the world that Daddy made her a bed. So uh, that that tends to be the one that I guess uh, that that I like just because you know. Just because she thinks I'm cool because I built her a bed.
0: There's a lot to be said about that. Those gifts for the kids. I'll tell you.
2: You are cool because you built her a bed.
0: (laughs) You're the hero. You're a superhero. Okay, What what's your project you're most proud of? Well,
2: I'm going to stay on the sentimental bandwagon, and I'm just going to talk about that for a second. I think that it says something about all of us that what we're talking about is not the way we built the projects or the techniques we used, but what the projects were for and who appreciated the projects. So I, I think as solitary as, as all of us are as woodworkers, having the people around us and our family appreciate our work really adds a tremendous amount of value to those pieces. So while I'm happy to go out in the shop and build something entirely for me that everyone else scoffs at, the pieces you make for others, for the ones you love, they, they really do take on the most meaning. So I think that that's, that says a lot, not just about us, but I I think those topics are the same. Uh, among among many woodworkers. Mm-hmm. So that said, the piece that I'm pieces that I'm going to mention are the wands I just made. Um, to some degree, because they're a recent piece that I made just last year, and they're still vivid in my memory. Um, but also because they were for uh, my wife and my sister-in-law and her girlfriend, and you know people who I've known all of them for the last you know for over half my life at this point now. And they're people I love, and this is a project that they wanted, and they really cherish. And the fact that they appreciated it just meant the world to me. So they were, not, like nothing I'd ever made, not terribly challenging, but interesting to make. But that's, that's not really why they're important. They're important because the people around me really appreciated them.
0: You know, it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, it's no, just something that if they do appreciate it, that's a, that's a big deal right there. Absolutely. And w- what's your f- favorite, Tom? Well, uh, you know, it, it, the one I'm most proud of, and it's it's funny because I made two of them um, when my, when Ronda was pregnant with my youngest son, Stephen. I, I I got into woodworking after my oldest son was born, so I missed the chance to make him a cradle. But I built a cradle for uh for my youngest son, and and it turns out that our friend who lived very close by was pregnant at the same time. So I made two of these, uh, and it was basic. I mean, it was it was screws and plugs, and it was. It was super basic, and it you know, wouldn't have stood out as a piece of fine woodworking anywhere. But what happened was, you know, we, to see the two children, I mean, in, in these in these cradles, and, and, and the fact that my neighbor or friend's daughter would only sleep in her cradle, she wouldn't sleep anywhere else for a long time, was really a big deal. But it wasn't just that, it was the fact that after uh, Stephen used his cradle... Uh, we 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 put it in a closet someplace for a few years, and then we knew we weren't going to use it again. We weren't going to have any more kids, and um, and you know since we didn't have daughters, where they could make it a doll cradle. What I did was I took both boys with me. It was just before Christmas, and we went to this pregnancy crisis center uh, down the street from us. Not not that far. And we brought it before they opened. And um, what we did was we, just before, it was about half an hour before they opened. I had both boys with me. Mean, they had to see this. And we left it with a uh, with a little blanket rolled up inside of it and a note from Santa. Please make sure this cradle gets to somebody who can really use it. And the boys asked me, why are we doing this? And I said, because it's all about, you know, doing something for others. And if we could bring some happiness into somebody's life who's in a very frightening situation, that was worth it for me. And You know, at that point, I started building. uh, I started building other cradles as years went by, and also, uh, and also rocking horses. So I'd start dropping those off, and that's the tradition. Uh, Every year, we uh, every year we went out, we uh, we uh, we left the uh, we left a a, a cradle, a rocking horse, someplace out at this at this pregnancy crisis center. They who knows what happens to them? I'm pretty sure they go to another family, but uh, but you know, nobody knows it's me at least I can, as far as i can tell nobody knows it's me Shh, don't say anything but uh, but the but the best part about it is is that it's just done anonymously just because and the best part for me is that it, both of my boys help with it and you know i think that's really something i'm hopefully i'm leaving them with my craft
3: and yes i sure. did
0: tell them oh. i was santa because <laughs> i was telling them we were playing santa for other people Diami. so oh. <laughs> so you know it was a few years later we actually broke the bad news but uh, <laughs> But we were playing Santa for a few years, so that, that was a big deal. So so for, for us, I mean, it's a, a special moment. It, it was just something that I was very proud of, that project that started the whole tradition. And I guess, do we have any questions from anybody out in the audience? Is anybody watching us?
3: No. No.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Two Come on, make up. something we, up. We, ta- we timed this awfully tonight, partially because this hasn't happened yet. This is all happening in the future. Oh, wait. Al, yeah, you, as far as you guys know, it hasn't happened for another two weeks or three weeks. Three um, weeks. Twitter knows we're on, but they're preoccupied, and we didn't announce it. it amazingly,
2: because he spent so much time at Google+, Plus, Al Navas has a question for us. Really? His, he would like yeah. to know what the questions are for. And, Al, when you hear this, you'll know they're for the future. Yes, they are. The
0: questions are always for the future, because the future's unknown. What is it? The future's unknown. The past has happened. The present is a gift. Uh, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Enough for that. It was beautiful, Tom. <laughs> God, I telling <laughs> you. God, I'm are in my episode. I, I, should, I should write for Hallmark. <laughs> this, Shreddy, is <laughs> <laughs> this, Tom, this is the mushy
1: episode. The touchy-feely
0: episode. All right. Uh, All right. Well, it, since that's what's going on, our next broadcast in the future, but is in the past, uh, we're going to have a special guest on, but you've already known about this because you've already listened to it. And so, you loved him, as and we do, loved right? Him. He was awesome, because he is the most lovable person in woodworking these days. What I'm day jokingly. was he on again? He was on a couple of weeks ago.
3: Uh, <laughs> Two Ron weeks Hawk. ago. Two weeks ago, Ron Hawk was oh, that's on. That's right. That and was that was uh, July 25th, wasn't it?
0: Yes. I believe it was. But now it's not. We're beyond that date. But I'll tell you, I've looked into the few past. i looked into <laughs> the past, so i looked into the future, and saw it was a really awesome interview. So if you you missed out on... Shame on you. Go back and see it, because it's going to be awesome. You know
2: what I think we should do, though, is we should use the future of this to go back to the...
3: (laughs) I'm confused. We're going to so myself, people. Like I said, (laughs) what I was
2: trying to do is just say, people, if they're happening to hear this in the past, they could send us questions for Ron. But if you hear this in the
0: future, then you'll already have your questions answered. Stephen Hawking and Albert Einstein walk into a bar. (laughs) <laughs> oh, hold on. That's a physics joke. I'm sorry. to go. got to go beyond that. All right. So, since, since we're here, okay, and we're in the future, how can people find us? The Army, let us know.
2: Well, the best way for people to find us in the future, the past, or in 1974 would be to go to modernwoodworkersassociation.com and check out all of the delightful <laughs> happenings on the Modern Woodworkers Association website. Nice,
0: 1974. you got to love it. And that just about wraps it up for this show where we're trying to figure out what time in the future or past we are in. So I am Tom Iavino of tomsworkbench.com and at Tom's Workbench on Twitter. And
1: Chris? I'm Chris Adkins of highrockwoodworking.com or you can find me on Twitter at HighRockWW. Okay,
0: and Diami.
2: I am Diami of uh, penultimatewoodshop.com. I'm working with a DNS issue, so I'm going to ask you to type in the www. Pretend it is 1974, and you actually have to type that in. You'll get a DNS error if you just type in penultimatewoodshop. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, I can also be found on the Twitters at Diami, D-Y-A-M-I, Plotke, P-L-O-T-K-E, or you can find me on Google+. Plus. And what's the face for, Tom? The Twitters? Is that like the
0: Hamptons? It <laughs> is like the Hamptons.
2: That's where they, when the Twitters are having a, you know, a nice, the summer's over, they want to enjoy themselves, they go out to the Hamptons, they have a drink.
0: Nice. I I like that. Okay. I just wanted to make sure Now, when you're on the Twitter, when you're on on the Twitter, that what is, how do you find you? At the Amitwadki. Okay. Sounds good. And, (laughs) and, and, (laughs) and, and how do we find you in the Twitters?
3: Uh, in in the twitters you you can follow me at at Mansfinefern, f u r n not f e r n that's an entirely different horticultural person horticultural uh, a
0: different color yes
3: that's right or you can or you can find me at my website mansfieldfinefurniture.com. dot com and not in nineteen seventy four pre internet
1: I swear to God this has been the goofiest episode so if it's in seventy four <laughs> I'm I'm just a baby I was just born
3: you're old. Dude,
1: i 68. What the hell's wrong with you guys?
0: Man, I really am old. I gotta give this up. I'm gonna go get my men um, and <laughs> If you wanna find out, okay, we talked about that. Uh, okay, if you find out more about Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit the Modern wood, for up the minute happenings and the many different chapters. And if you want to start a chapter of your own, either now or in the past or the future, just click the Join MWA tab on the top. And remember, membership is free, but what connections you make, what are they, DiAmi? They last a lifetime, and they're free. And they're priceless. Oh. <laughs> you flubbed your line. Even in the future, you can't do it. And I'm the resident shot monkey, Tom Iovino, wishing all of you happy sawdust. Beam me up, Scotty.